Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Kathy. And I'm Melissa. And this time, we are talking about the Season 3 episode, Dead Ringer. One of the most unique episodes in the history of So Weird. And it happens in Season 3. I know. Who would have guessed? (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking. It seems so much like a Season 2 episode, especially with the intro. Yes, this is the first time we ever get to hear Jack do the intro. And it's actually a more educational one as compared to the other season three intros. Yes. For our Jack-centered episode, he introduces us to the story of the Tattletale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. His storyline is based on guilt. Jack mentions that this is a story about a man who hears the beating heart of a man that he killed which is pretty dark for a kid's show. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, Especially for season yeah. three, right? Yeah. So right from the get-go, whenever I hear Jack's voice come on to do the introduction, I'm like, oh, yes, it's Jack time. Mm-hmm. A Jack-centered episode. This is what season three should always be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it gives you, like, some taste of how season three could have been if Jack, you know, was the lead. Yeah, and Patrick Levis does such a phenomenal job in this episode. Like, he really should have gotten so many awards for his work on So Weird. Mm-hmm. The one thing about the intro that bothers me a little bit is Jack lays the groundwork that this is an episode all about guilt and how guilt can make you think pretty crazy things. And Jack's final comments in his intro is that sometimes we aren't in the real world. I heard that, and I was like, whoa, Jack's talking about the paranormal, but nope. Then he says, sometimes we're in the world of our imagination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then it's like, okay, two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, they, you know, they had to keep it. You know, Jack is still skeptic. I think he had a line that said, like, oh, but that's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a pretty nice save to stop Jack from getting too into the paranormal when Jack has to rationalize everything. Mm-hmm. And it also gives me a little bit of a callback to the season two episode Avatar, the last time we got to hear Jack do an introduction. Mm-hmm. Back then, he was talking about how he and Fee would make like little popsicle people. Or he was talking about... No, he mentioned that later in the episode. In his intro, he talked about a digital avatars yeah, and how yeah. people would pretend to be something that they weren't. Yeah. So for Jack, it's pretty weird to see him talk about the blurring between reality and your imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course he'd uh, do that though, because he re- would refuse to believe it's anything paranormal. Yeah. So we start off with the family and Annie um, going back to Molly and Jack's old neighborhood, which I thought they always lived in the house in the mountains. I know. This detail bothers me so much. They go to this garage sale or yard sale. Um, Molly says that they moved into this neighborhood when Jack was five and Fee was three. So this would have been right around the time that Rick died. Yeah, and they do show a flashback to that, but it's not the outside of the house. We remember in Medium where Molly is like, oh... This house, you know, it's filled with his memories. Yeah. Like, it was pretty clear that they lived in the house in the mountains. 
but Jack remembers living in this house and he says that for years he had to look at what he had done. So it makes it sound like he they had lived in that house for a long time, but that doesn't line up with what we know about the house in the mountains. <sighs> so this episode, as much as I love Jack, it's also an episode about painful season three writing that ignores seasons one and two. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, that just kind of went over my head uh, <laughs> uh, when Molly said if he was about three, Jack was about five. I figured that was probably around the time they moved into the house in the mountains. But yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now that you mention it, they probably were wanting it to go over everyone's head. I mean, they probably didn't think anything of it. Like they already wrote the house out of the story so they're like we don't need to go by any you know season one and two plots or details yeah, <laughs> yeah like our audience is six year old who's gonna know mm-hmm. and like as a kid it's probably something that I never paid attention to but looking back on it now it really bugs me yeah me too but it seems like they had a pretty good relationship going on with their neighbors whenever it was that they lived in this house that we never knew about before because they found out that Mr. Alpabom was a neighbor that they loved dearly and he died and now their niece is having a yard sale and they stop off to take a look at some things and there's this box that moves all on its own towards Annie. So of course Annie just has to have it because <laughs> she calls it wicked cool. And if it's wicked cool, we have to take it. How can oh. we not? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, bad writing there. <laughs> yeah, I find it so interesting that Annie's catchphrase was wicked. I know, what was that? Like, was that, were they supposed to be like going with 90s or early 2000s lingo i don't know like was that late 90s early 2000s lingo because i only ever heard it from her i feel like (laughs) i don't know at least it was in california (laughs) it always made me think of wiccans which i guess like fits the show in a sense but coming from annie it seems like she's so bubbly you wouldn't expect it from her yeah but anyway i like annie style yeah, me too. So, yeah. once they get back to the Phillips house. And another thing that bugs me is that there's never any explanation for how or why the box moves towards Annie. Like, I think we're supposed to assume that Annie is just a magnet for the supernatural, calling back to Lightning Rod. But mm-hmm. it's so weird that the box has this connection to Annie, and then the rest of this episode is all about Jack. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, she's the magnet, and... She brought it to Jack, and it's all just like, oh, whoa, what a weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured uh, maybe everything in the episode it wasn't Jack's imagination, that it maybe was Mr. Applebaum's ghost, but that doesn't really make sense. There's a lot in this that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But for the writing, it's very overt in the setup. Once Annie gets back to the house with the box that was wicked cool, Annie and Jack unpack it and they find the telephone. And once Molly says that it was from Mr. Applebaum, Jack becomes visibly uncomfortable and backs away from the box. Like it is very obvious there's some history between Jack and Mr. Applebaum. (laughs) So the setup here is very easy to follow and kind of watered down. There is no subtlety that something happened between Jack and Mr. Applebaum. 
Yeah, I loved uh, Annie's reaction to it. Like, uh, she immediately realized there was something that Jack wasn't saying. Yeah, and it's so weird that Molly didn't pick up on it at all, which you'd think she would as her child. Yeah, I just love uh, this episode for the Jack Annie stuff. Yes, <laughs> this episode is so good for all the Janie shippers. They have so many cute moments in here. And it's at this point, once Annie is invested in trying to find out what's wrong with Jack, that he reveals that the Apple Bombs were the nicest people in the world. But one day, he was hitting golf balls in the backyard, and he used a real one and smashed it into the window next door. And he was so scared to own up to his mistakes that he ran upstairs and never told anyone. And Mr. Applebaum never fixed the window, so for years, he had to look at the window, and Jack equates it to an accusing, angry eyeball, which was some nice imagery, and I really do like how, as Jack is telling that little flashback, the camera transitions from the flashback of looking at the hole in the window back to Jack's face, and they have it centered so that the hole is around Jack's eye. Yeah, I noticed that too. I really liked that. Yeah. But yeah, when I first heard the story that Jack was saying, and it was just, you know, him breaking a window, I was like, what is the big deal? <laughs> yeah, like he was five years old. And Annie says it too, like, you know, you were just a kid. And yeah. I think the episode does um, okay, maybe like, maybe good in how it really wrecked his mind, but. I still don't think the the neighbor not fixing the window is like going to haunt you forever. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like psychologically, the content's interesting, but I wish the writers came up with a better storyline because that's just so dumb. Like maybe like, who becomes uh, a ghost to haunt a kid that broke your window? Yeah, maybe it's the uh, like the golf ball, like it broke and then it hit like someone's head and like killed somebody yeah, <laughs> yeah that oh my and then like jack ran away and then you know nobody ever found out who <laughs> was the culprit yeah. then like, that, that that's more sense intense guilt there but yeah. just breaking a window like, ugh, yeah okay. or like if he hit the golf ball and the golf ball hit their cat or something and jack was responsible for killing a cat which is like a little like not as intense being responsible for the death of a human being but still awful and would make sense as to why this would haunt him so severely yeah yeah that's just and one other thing i have with this episode just the fact that it's so intense it doesn't really make sense mm -hmm. or it could have been where the golf ball hit mr applebaum's eye and like made him like blind in one eye and he had to wear like an eye patch and now jack associates like the that hole with the eyeball that would have been kind of or cool. if he had to get a glass eye and jack looks, oh, yeah. eye looks like a golf ball <laughs> oh, god yeah like so many ideas would have been better than what the writers for season three went with somebody needs to write a fic where this happens and yes it all so, okay. listeners, if any of you guys write fanfics, we need a fanfic that comes up with a better storyline for why Jack is so haunted by this golf ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the episode does start to get really interesting and kind of like a psychological thriller once Molly and Annie leave to go to a concert and Jack's home alone. This is where the real fun starts. Yeah, that's what I always say. This is 
basically a psychological thriller episode. Yeah, which is really cool because it's different from So Weird's usual style. Mm-hmm. It does remind me of a lot of um, scary movies nowadays where they kind of start off right off the bat with just scary scenes, unexplained, you know, why is that happening? And it's kind of throughout the movie and not the yeah. very end until like, you find out. Um, while I like that, I do always wish for more story Mm-hmm. to be included in those scares because if it's just scares like that's fun but it's like okay it was just scares but like compare it to um the werewolf episode like there were scares but there was story in the middle and in the beginning and at the end like i liked that yeah, yeah. i feel like this episode does do a good job with building up suspense because mm-hmm. it is creepy when jack's the only person in the house he's home alone all we get is like jack muttering to himself and the musical score in the background and then the phone rings mm-hmm. but no one's there and at first it's like okay it's just a wrong number no big deal because it was the house phone ringing but then as he's looking at some chicken the antique phone rings and jack finds it still buried in the box not hooked up to a phone jack and when the phone falls and the receiver comes off, he puts it up to his ear. And then we just hear that creepy male voice going, Jack, Jack Phillips. Yeah. Like, that is creepy. Yeah, that is pretty creepy. And I feel like the creepy music going on in the background after he hangs up does do a lot to make his Home Alone scenes more unsettling. Yeah, one thing I'm wondering is, is it actually an actual haunting or is it actually Jack's imagination and none of this is actually happening uh i think it does all happen because it leads him to the house where the kid shows up yeah and at the end the phone is broken yeah yeah but it is really weird the way that this haunting so to speak takes place because jack goes back to studying and he hears the sound of breaking glass but then there is no broken glass when he goes to check it out he hears like sounds upstairs and then he starts to freak out and go like okay i need to blow off studying tonight call carrie go see a movie i like comedies laughs are always good and then the antique phone rings again and he answers and again it's this creepy voice saying answer me i know it was you jack i know what you did (laughs) which like it sounds so creepy and then you remember that this guy is haunting a teenager over a golf ball that he hit when he was five <laughs> years old. And, like, that aspect of the storyline is just so dumb. Uh, yeah, I, I'm starting to remember it's season three. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then golf ball comes down the stairs and lands right before Jack, and the phone rings again. And, like, even though the storyline is so dumb... The way it's built up with the suspense and the slow golf ball coming down the stairs, the timing of the phone ringing, like that stuff's really well done. Yeah, the, the directing is done so well, to be honest. Yeah, and since you mentioned, like, was it real or not? I guess because it's like, you know, I'm like, fee, like, yeah, that happened. But <laughs> then the premise, I mean, you know, the the monologue in the beginning was like guilt, imagination. Yeah. So I guess it was him, his guilt playing mind games on him. Yeah. Maybe Which, like, not though, because remember, Jack took the entire phone apart, 
threw it in the trash. And then, like, one of the weirdest things that happens in this episode is when golf balls suddenly start raining on Jack in the dining room. And he's crying out, like, no, stop. And he gets buried by golf balls. And then all of a sudden, they vanish. Yeah, that was obviously his imagination. Like, I think that's probably the weirdest point of this episode. For him to just get buried in golf balls. That part I felt is over the top. Because (laughs) when you have, like, the single golf ball landing at his feet, like, that's creepy. When you have a bunch of golf balls raining down on him, it's like, what is this Harry Potter getting his letters? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I don't know. Like, I I did enjoy the scary scenes. And I can imagine as a kid... um, that's pretty scary and you wouldn't need to like have to worry about the guilt of or why or how intense the guilt is about the golf ball. Yeah. I guess I didn't see much goosebumps, but I'm wondering if that would be like a good goosebumps story. I feel like it's probably been done with goosebumps. (laughs) Um, Maybe. I just think it's so interesting that Jack experiences this and first he assumes that, okay, Annie's playing a practical joke to get back at me. And then it's, okay, clearly I am imagining things and I just need to go to sleep. And then once he's tossing and turning, we hear creaking again and he slowly turns and sees the image of an eye in the golf ball hole in the window again. He's having hallucinations. Yeah. I think it's like it's good. Like uh, I like the portrayal of him like kind of going crazy or mad. Yes, like the paranoid. expressions that he makes in this episode. And Patrick Lovis is such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Like he really needs to be commended for his work in So Weird. Maybe it's just a really bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> Jack would never. Carrie maybe, but not Jack. <laughs> Clue definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, Clue would. Yeah, so I like how he, you know, portrays him going kind of, um, kind of crazy and paranoid. Yeah, he's trying to rationalize and rationalize, but it just doesn't. And it's make nice sense. to see Jack freak out because Jack always keeps his cool, sticks to the rational. It's such a breath of fresh air in the show to see Jack freaking out and dealing with the supernatural. Yeah, it's probably because he was alone in the entire time. If yeah. But he also with them, he would be keeping his cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people are so much more vulnerable when they're home alone. And, like, everything is ten times scarier when you're home alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, as someone who lives alone, I can attest to that. <laughs> when I was younger, like, I would be scared being alone. I live al- alone, too, and I'm too rational to think of anything, like is you know actually scary or you know yeah but um yeah like being home alone as a kid and having the phone ring i think the movie the ring like terrified me (laughs) and the phone and all that like oh my god it gets so scared and i'd answer and then it's like nobody and like oh my god (laughs) i don't want to hear a voice yeah i'm always hearing voices and stuff and seeing shadow people, that's fun. Ooh. Yeah, it's creepy here. So um, all like these mental games and all that lead him. Or actually, it's the voice on the phone. Because Jack is like, you know, what do I do? And yeah, because the- like the trash can tips over. Mm-hmm. Because the phone is still ringing, even though it's broken and in the trash. So Jack is getting like desperate. Like, how do you know, how do I make this stop? And the voice tells him, like, you know where to go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
which is a neighbor's house, Mr. Applebaum's house. And I thought that was a fun scene, like seeing him go into the, you know, creepy, dark house where no one lives. Yes, it reminded me so much of Faye. I was like, oh, Jack, you learned so much from Faye. This is what she would do. (laughs) Yeah. Follow the trail and investigate or explore, even though he doesn't want to. (laughs) Yeah, and he does it so politely. He's like, hello, the door was open, so I'm just creeping around. (laughs) Breaking and entering. Yeah. (laughs) Breaking laws and stuff. But no one has lived there in a long time, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but Jack doesn't know that. Yeah, and seeing Jack investigate on his own makes me wish so desperately that we could have had Jack as a lead in season three. Mm -hmm. Like, it would have been so good. Yeah, definitely. So at this point of the episode, it's kind of where, like, what is the climax, I guess? Mm Mm-hmm. And he goes up and to the window where it's still broken and there's still glass on the floor. And he's like, this can't be. Uh, And I love the comment that he uh makes about he wouldn't have left the glass here all these years. Surely he cleaned it up. Because that's like kind of like a hint, a little bit of foreshadowing about what's really going on here. But then we hear the phone ring again and he starts running and gets stuck behind the door. Yeah. And it's really like a pinnacle moment in this episode when he finally gets the door open and he runs straight into a kid and then yells. He's like, who are you? Who are you? I like that. (laughs) I know. Patrick Levis does such a phenomenal job portraying the fear and panic of that moment. Like it really feels like a horror movie scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, what's the true monster of the story? Larry. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Larry. <laughs> He's the one that's been messing with him. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that there was this kid who apologizes and explains that they just moved there. And he didn't know the house was so close. So he came over to apologize for the baseball he threw in the window this, that morning. So Jack and the kid go to retrieve the ball. And Jack said that it wasn't his house. So the child, Larry, asks whose house it was and if they're nice, but he's afraid to tell them. Jack says that he knows the feeling, and he makes a deal with Larry, and is like, oh, well, I talk to Mr. Applebaum on the phone every now and then, and I'll tell him what happened. So Larry feels better, and so does Jack. It's kind of a sweet wrap-up, and it does lead you in the direction of like, oh, maybe this was all in Jack's imagination, because this was something that just happened today, and he's attributing his own past emotions to it. Yeah, but that doesn't really make sense, because how would Jack know what happened that day? Maybe I'm just being too logical about everything. Yeah. I feel like it's a way, like this ending was a way for him to forgive himself. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed with her. Um, even though it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. But also, why didn't the old man clean it up? Maybe because they never went up in their attic. Some- no, it was because it just happened today. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> the kid threw the baseball in the window that morning. So when Jack first went up there, he thought, oh my god, this guy never cleaned up the mess that I made so long ago. But that can't be right, could it? And then he finds out. Oh, that's not from when I put a golf ball in the window. It's from this kid launching a baseball in the window just today. But I thought he said in the beginning how 
he, you know, they never cleaned it up, so he had to see it every day. Yeah, until or they was that just away. his? Was that just his imagination, his guilt? It could have been that, or my impression was like they never fixed it while Jack still lived there, like as yeah. a neighbor. Mm-hmm. So I assume like they did fix it eventually, and then this kid just happened to just break the window that day. Yeah. Unless his uh, baseball went through the same wall as hole as the golf ball. Yeah, but baseballs are bigger than golf balls. It made a slightly bigger hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll never know. And why the old man never fixed it in the first place. Or why the old man held such a grudge against a five-year-old <laughs> breaking a window. <laughs> Well, the end of this episode is so sweet and warms my shipper heart. Yeah. Molly and Annie return from the concert, and Jack's just sitting in the dining room, very nonchalantly doing his homework. And then Annie goes to her box of wicked cool stuff, picks up the phone, and is sad that her antique immediately falls apart. She turns to Jack and is like, did you do this? And I love Jack's line of, now, why would I take away my precious study time to take apart a phone that doesn't work anyway? <laughs> he has like, such a smug, adorable look on his face when she's all pouty. It's so cute. It's such a shipper moment. Yeah, agreed. I love that moment so much. Yeah, like their entire interaction in that last scene because Molly announces that she brought back dessert and leaves the two of them alone. And Annie muses that, oh, well, now I have to throw this stuff away. And Jack's like, in the garbage can? Well, you're welcome to try. So Annie gets the feeling that something's up. And she stands so close to them, it looks like they could kiss. <laughs> and she's like, so, something happened here tonight. And then Jack's response is sarcastic. Yeah, you're right. And Annie gets so excited. I knew it. And thinks that Jack's going to open up to her. And then he's all, tonight, I worked on my homework there. I said it. <laughs> like, it's so cute the way they interact with each other. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Yeah, we just leave with another image of the broken phone. And then it rings one last time and rolls the credits. Mm-hmm. Um. I did forget to mention that they did have a spot in the episode where they showed the broken window and then they animated an eyeball behind it. Yeah, when Jack was tossing and turning <laughs> and staring back and looking out the window. Mm -hmm. That was another cool piece of cinematography. It was kind of cool, but I guess looking back at it now, I'm like, ugh, that eyeball doesn't look that great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I thought it like was kind of a callback to the introduction with the sound of the beating heart from the Telltale Heart. Like the pulsing of the hole and the eyeball for Jack was that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I am surprised at how good the directing is that the director, he's only directed two things in his entire career. This episode being one of them and uh, one credit before that called The Man's Gun. But yeah, you just think he'd be doing more stuff as good as this was. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ready to go into ratings time? Yes. Yep. I think I will give it an 8 or 8.5 out of 10. I do really love it. It's probably my number one favorite episode of uh, season three. And it pops in and out of my top five of all time. And uh, yeah, I just love the directing. Uh, I love the psychological thriller. 
messiness of it. Jack completely makes the episode. Uh, and I love the Johnny moments. <laughs> there are a few things that don't make sense, but the good thing just overpower that for me. For me, I would give it 7 out of 10, um, which might be one of the highest for season 3 episodes. Um, I enjoy watching it, and I really like the suspense and Jack's acting and um, him exploring the house. I love all that. I personally think it needed more story that included a better reason for the Gale. Um, if I want to compare like other good season three episodes, like a lot of people love Voodoo, there's like you know there's much more story there. They both have like dumb moments and reasonings, so they have their flaws. But this episode, it just needed a little bit more, I think, or maybe it's one an episode that doesn't need more. But for me, it, I need a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with that. I rated it like either a 6.5 or a 7 because there is so much that I love about it. I love that we have a Jack-focused episode, that we get to see Jack face the paranormal. I love the suspense and that this episode feels like a psychological thriller. I love that it takes the show in a different direction that we hadn't really seen before. I love the references at the Tattletale Heart, but it really bothers me that the Ah. writers came up with such a lame haunting like they could have done a better storyline than old man angry at five-year-old kid (laughs) like that does not a good ghost story make so that aspect of it really bothers me but overall i do enjoy this episode and patrick lovis deserves all the awards did you guys hear the credit music at the end yeah (laughs) it's just like patrick lovis going like hello hello (laughs) I never really stick around for the credits, so <laughs> well, go back and listen to it. It's just a few seconds, but it made me laugh. It's like <laughs> me too. It's like a remix of Jack saying hello. <laughs> yeah. this can uh, use that for the outro. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe at the end. <laughs> Yeah, that there's not much to say about this episode. Mm-hmm. There, there is noticeably very little Molly and Annie. There is zero Ned, Irene, or Carrie. Carrie only appears in that mention that Jack gives about like, oh, maybe I'll call Carrie tonight to go to the movies, and then they don't. Yeah. Any other news to talk about? None that I can think of. Me neither. Just that we have two more episodes Right? To review. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Song and The Rover. And yeah. that makes me sad. Yeah. We're getting close to the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're, we'll be done with reviewing episodes, but we're still thinking of ideas of other episodes to do together. We definitely will have an episode talking about the music. Um, yeah. And some other stuff. And we have... Hopefully more interviews to do. The um, Alex Johnson interview will be coming out soon. I guess if anyone has ideas for um, other episodes, go ahead and let us know. I know that we have gotten ideas in the past about reviewing other shows. You know, like maybe Are You Afraid of the Dark or Goosebumps or something like that, Supernatural. But I don't know. I don't know if we can do that. Because I, I feel like we need to 
review things that we are all passionate about that we yeah. can spend an hour talking about <laughs> and an hour or two editing and i don't know if we all have like the similar likes in those shows or movies yeah personally i've never even watched them but i'd be interested to I, I joked to a friend of mine about uh, after doing this, we'll be doing uh, Buffy, and he's like, oh my god, do it. And I'm like, I was joking. <laughs> but then it wouldn't be the So Weird podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have, like, the same passion about any other show that I have for this one. Yeah. So, I mean, I like other shows, but yeah, like, I don't like... Yeah, it's not the same. It, it's a, It'll be a whole different genre. And in this show, like, I am down to talk about almost every episode mm-hmm. for an hour. Like, we can talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, we still like to hear some ideas. Yeah, so if you have any thoughts about what else you'd like to see us do with the So Weird podcast, please let us know. And let us know how you've enjoyed or your thoughts um, about our whole journey. We started this, like, a few years ago. Yeah, it's been crazy. I'm going to cry when it's over. (laughs) But thank you all so much for being with us. This has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Kathy. And I'm Melissa. Keep the faith and never give up on So Weird.